no matter what age that they are and just say, look, I messed up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from every, anything else that, you know, my role as a step parent should be, but I'm sorry that I hurt you and that I didn't give you what you needed during these times in your life. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 216 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. What's up, folks? What's up, folks? Y'all, this is another long one, so we're going to be short in our intro and our outro. So, David? Let's go. Our guest today is Stepmom Jane. She's been blending for seven and a half years, has one step kid, two hours kids. And she got pregnant four months into dating her now husband. And before she got pregnant, bio mom was okay. And then, dum, dum, went cray cray, right? Went crazy. Funny how that works. Yep. And we often talk about or talk to guests that have significant others that the ex is still reliant on. For example, this bio mom asked Jane's now husband, my tires are low. Can you take me to work? (laughs) Bio mom wrote a letter to her ex-in-laws. And so Jane doesn't have a relationship with them. Huh. Would like to have read that letter. It's probably like, watch out for Jane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's trying to take your son down a bad path. Yeah. She roped him into a pregnancy. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I know many of our listeners also deal with this. They have the buy a mom that is the Disney mom on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Or a Disney and Facebook parent, we can call it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are Disney stuff on social media. <laughs> now, some people aren't. They'll tell you every single thing going wrong in their life. <laughs> You're right. Those are the folks that are on the other end of the spectrum. Like some people only tell you about all the good stuff. So they have a fairy tale life. And then you got the people on the other side that tell you only the bad stuff where you think like, wow, <laughs> nothing in the world goes your way. Right. Or you have that person that will say, They'll post, I had diarrhea today. <laughs> uh, okay, I hope you feel better. Yeah, don't post pictures, please. Yeah, don't post. <laughs> that's what, there you go. That's turning that that negative into a positive. At least they're not posting pictures. Yeah. Yep. Three years into Jane and her now husband's relationship, bio mom got cancer. Oh, man. Guess what Jane did? She reached out to her. She started helping her because my mom had nobody else to help her. That's, that is mighty big of Jane. Yes, mighty big of Jane. In August of 2019, my mom passed away. Oh. And Jane had a parent with cancer at a young age, so she related to that and thought that would help her be able to be there for her stepkid because of the losing a parent at a young age to cancer. Mm-hmm. 
And when stepmom got pregnant with the youngest child, the youngest hours child, it caused stepdaughter to start having homicidal ideations. Oh, man. She thought dad wouldn't love her if they had another kid. Yeah, that's pretty common, unfortunately. Here's the kicker. Therapist and counselor told stepmom to put all knives up, put up cameras, and make sure kids are safe. I think that's good advice, period. (laughs) Yeah, well, I would agree with that. But where's the line of I'm taking my kids and leaving because I'm afraid of them being around your daughter? Yeah, that's a that is a tough question to answer. Yep. So we're not going to tell you anything else, folks. Man, you're going to leave me hanging? Leave you hanging. Listen to the podcast. All right. Well, let's get to listening then. Today we have stepmom Jane. Hey, Jane, how are you? Good. How are you? So tell us a little bit about your blend. How long have you been blending and how many stepkids, bio kids, hours kids, all that happy stuff? Okay. So I've been blending since 2015. I just have one stepdaughter, and I have two hour kids, um, and that is it. Okay. My stepdaughter is 11. My biological daughter is six, and my youngest son is turning one, or he's one years old. Oh, sweet baby. Yeah. Oh, enjoy it. You know they grow up way too fast. They really do. They really do. Yeah, it's been, it's been, I would say, a roller coaster, as you will. I've listened to other podcasts the last few months, and I've uh, been able to relate to a lot of the stories. A lot of things that I've experienced are similar in, in nature, give and take a few things. Mm-hmm. But I met my husband in 2015. And funny enough, I met my stepdaughter that same day because she was with him. And um, yep, she was three years old at the time. So she technically doesn't remember anything else before me. So mm-hmm. I've basically been in her life since she's been a little toddler baby. And we... Uh, Where'd you meet? Was it like the grocery store or something? It was at my old job. It, it, it's actually... It was my old job. And I was working on something that he came in to... My husband came in to work on. It is a frame, actually, a, a painting of some sort. And okay. I was a manager at the time. And I uh, was putting this frame painting together in the shop because um, I was a manager. And something about his name stood out to me. I don't know what it was. I've met hundreds of people uh, in, in this job and career that I used to have. And when I um, saw his name, something stood out to me. I don't know what it was. So take the next day he came in to pick up that frame and for some reason I knew it it was him and I asked you know I said oh are you so and so and he said yes I am and I noticed he didn't have a ring on so (laughs) that was my opportunity to say do you need help you know taking it to your car and of course he did because he had my stepdaughter with him that ended up being what started the relationship so when I got into the relationship my stepdaughter was great she um didn't have any issues with me in the picture. She was so sweet up until I met Bio Mom. When you met him, 
and y'all realized that y'all were going to date or whatever, how often did he have stepdaughter then? I would say it was 50-50, but it was, the schedule was off. It was like three days on, two days off, three days on. So it was kind of of those. Yeah. Yeah. Because of her age. And uh, it was fine. I, uh, I came into it again, just, I was single. I had my own job, my own place. So I got to experience life, you know, very well before kids. And when I came to the picture, I didn't realize what, how difficult it was going to be maneuvering being a step parent figure at the time, because I just met my husband. I didn't realize it was going to be very difficult until it got difficult. When I got to the relationship, we, um, you know, moved pretty fast. I got pregnant probably about four and a half months later. Oh, wow. That is fast. Yeah. And that's not like me. (laughs) So that was, that was a, uh, a surprise. But before I got pregnant, I had met by a mom and she seemed fine. And the only thing was, is when I met her, you can tell that she was she was wanting my husband to still do things for her. So when we met, she would make up an excuse like, oh, you know, my, uh, my tires are, are, you know, pretty low. Can you drive me to work? What? <laughs> yeah. Not can she, you help me put air in them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it was, so I already had that idea that, okay, this is, this is going to be an interesting situation. And as time went on, when I got pregnant, I think that's when things hit the fan mm-hmm. and she panicked. So that was four and a half months later into the relationship with my husband. And she, uh, she, she went into panic mode and she, you know, wrote in my in-laws that um, I don't have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, it just progressed. Just a lot of the issues that a lot of stepmoms deal with, uh, with bio parents. She couldn't accept me. Like most bio parents do, like don't they don't accept the the step parent coming into the picture, mm-hmm. and she started doing things that were very manipulative and devious, uh, as you will, uh, against my stepdaughter. And that's when I started seeing that my stepdaughter was dealing with some emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. As she was in school, from you know she was only three years old at the time, but I noticed a difference in her behavior a few months into the relationship. Mm-hmm. She, uh, I would you know staff would tell us that she was not in- engaging. She was just sitting down, really sad all the time. And when they asked, "Hey, what's going on?" her response would would then, I, "I'm just worried about my mom," or "I'm I'm sad because my mom's by herself." It was a lot of that kind of strain and worry that she had up until about third grade. So from you know three years old to third grade, things were really just traumatic for her because the the house the house. Let me go back. The fifty fifty custody uh, began when she got into kindergarten, where it was you know one week off, one week on, mm-hmm. and bio mom had yeah bio parent had a different way of raising her, you know, her daughter, Mm -hmm. um, or raising their kids. And so basically what had happened is she was telling things and doing things behind closed doors. She was uh, what you would call a Disneyland parent and a Facebook parent. So she wanted to go to all of the events. 
she wanted to post everything about her life on social media. And, you know, my stepdaughter was forced to often go and participate in a lot of these things because bio mom did not want to be home and parent, I should say. So my stepdaughter half the time didn't have rules. She didn't have structure in the household. Mm -hmm. And so it caused my daughter to have a lot of mental health and behavioral health issues. And then, so that was basically the, the relationship I did what, you know, I had a relationship with my stepdaughter, things were great. And then again, as time progressed, she started having, she seemed like she didn't want to be home with me and dad. She seemed like she was having a really tough time and there was nothing we could do other than just when she came to our house, we let her have a break and a breather because it did seem like often uh, my stepdaughter's mom, my mom would, again, it was like questioning what's going on at our house. It was, you know, we're going to go have fun, whether you're sick or not. It was that kind of inconsistency that she was dealing with Mm -hmm. on a consistent basis. And it did a lot to her mentally. I could tell because I always suggested that she go see a therapist because of her behavior from, you know, administrators at school would say that they were concerned. She wasn't playing with friends often. And she didn't really play with friends when she was at her mom's house. It was just her and her mom all the time. And so flash forward to 2018, bio mom then got sick. She got sick with cancer. Oh gosh. Yeah. And during the course of that time, like I said, our relationship was just, I, I guess the only word I can use is it wasn't real. It was really fake manipulative. When I felt like I was trying really hard to have a normal relationship with her, I think she was incapable of having a normal relationship with me because at least I believe that she she just couldn't handle my stepdaughter having another parent, mother figure in her life. Right. And she got sick and out of, you know, she had a supposedly had a lot of friends from where we were from, where mm-hmm. she was from. And not a lot of people helped her. I noticed that she was having a really hard time walking when she got really sick. And so it was very different, right? She was one of those that was always out and about. And then all of a sudden she couldn't walk very well, Right. but she couldn't stop either. She, when we would say, Hey, you need to slow it down. She wouldn't listen, but she never called anybody when she was having really bad reactions to the you know medications and stuff that she was having to take because she got diagnosed with cancer. And so I just stepped in and I helped her. And there was a part of me that did not want to, but the other part of me was like, I need to do this for my stepdaughter. And just as a human, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm not saying that anybody that chooses not to help the bio parent, if something like this happens, is not human because we don't know their situation. But mm-hmm. a lot of times mm-hmm. um, when something happens, like bio mom getting cancer, it puts things into a different perspective. It does. It really does. Because there's so much unknown and concerns happening in all routes of the situation. Mm-hmm. my stepdaughter was dealing the most of it because I don't know what it was like to have dealt with a parent who had cancer um, at such a young age, because she was about eight years old, I believe when her mom was diagnosed with cancer. And 
during the course of that time that she was sick, uh, again, I, the one that, you know, again, helped her through that time until her, my stepdaughter's by mom's grandmother came and stayed with her during that time. And, but there were times again, where I would, um, when the grandmother had to leave back out of state, she would call me and say, I'm not feeling very well. And she, it seemed like she didn't know how to make decisions, which was something again, that that was just part of her personality. She just had a hard time being an adult more, more, you know, more or less in the decisions that she would make that impacted my stepdaughter. So this is just an example. She was really sick. And instead of thinking, I'm not feeling good, I'm going to go to the the hospital. She called me out of everybody else and would ask, you know, I'm not doing very well. And I would then suggest, I think you need to go to the hospital and I'm going to call your family and your parents and let them know that just, I will meet you there. And so I basically just, it was just one of those in and outs until about a year, less than a year later, we thought she was doing really, really well and the medication was working. But unfortunately in 2019 of August, she, uh, she passed away. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that brought in a whole significant chaos, like just a lot of chaos in the situation. There was a lot of feelings, a lot of pain. I couldn't imagine what my stepdaughter was feeling because I do notice that she had some type of, I would hate to like say behavioral issues, but she had a lot of behavioral issues due to the fact of how she was, again, a 50-50 custody, how she was raised. She was devastated but I don't think she grieved the way that a child who didn't have a lot of behavioral issues would have grieved. She mm-hmm. later that day, she was laughing about stuff A- after her mom died. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will say my dad and I are the people you don't want at a funeral mm-hmm. because we laugh. <laughs> I don't know why, but we just, even if it's just memories of the people that we start laughing about, or it's not rude, I guess. We try not to be a disturbance, yeah. but I remember at my cousin's funeral, my daddy, I was like, I'm not sitting beside you because you will get me laughing, or we'll say something and start laughing, and he can't half yeah. hear. So then he's going, What? What? <laughs> Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to let it out in your own way. But sometimes it is a stress reliever or Mm -hmm. also to hide how you're really feeling. And I think that's exactly what she was doing. I think she was hiding how she was really feeling. And that came out in a lot of different ways uh, since then and where we are today. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, of course, I went from 50-50 stepmom to full-time stepmom. Mm-hmm. And it did seem as if, you know, my husband and I had to pick up the pieces because again, my stepdaughter dealt with a lot of behavioral issues uh, with just how different the households were. Right. And so when that happened, um, it was hard for me because for me, I wasn't prepared for what was to come. And I guess I, the way I think about it is maybe it's a little taboo to say, but I know there's probably step parents out there that not that they wish harm to anybody, but that they would think 
it'd be easier if this person just wasn't there to get in the way. Of, oh, yeah. And make things more stressful. Well, it's like the other day we were talking on a podcast and I said, with David's kids, it's not like I wanted anything bad to happen to them. I just didn't want them to come back. <laughs> yeah. You know, be healthy and stay at your mom's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that and, and, and in, in this situation, you don't, you don't have to deal with the, another bio parent who causes a lot of catastrophe in this situation. Right. But again, it's different when you experience that, how, how different it is. There are times where I'm like, I wish she was here. I wish that bio mom was here because I think it my stepdaughter wouldn't have been as impacted with the situation as she has been. And granted, I have, a, I had a lot of resentment for my stepdaughter's mom. I, it, it was built, it was built in. She made things really hard for me, sabotaged a lot of moments with my stepdaughter and towards the end of her illness, before she passed away, she, she was, don't get me wrong, she was sick, but you know, the things that she was saying would very like scary for my stepdaughter. She would say stuff like, you know, she's not your mother. I'm your only mother. And it was like screaming at the top of her lungs saying this in the house. Yeah. And it's pretty traumatizing for a child to hear. And I wish that there were... None of us are perfect. And I, I've learned a lot since her mom had passed away to how to navigate my stepdaughter. But I made so many mistakes at the same time. Right. And so because I made so many mistakes, things aren't the way that I wish that they could be right now. But when we finally had our full time, we, um, we tried making the best of it. I, again, had a lot of resentment for, for bio mom or how she treated me and how she placed the seed in my daughter's mind, my stepdaughter's mind and not accepting me, I should say. Right. And that was the hardest part because I was with her since she was three. I was the one that made sure that she was getting picked up at a good time after school, mm-hmm. just the consistencies and bio mom did not do that. She was very inconsistent. She wouldn't pick her up on time. She would, I mean, she, gosh, she was even, she would drive around with her with flat, a flat tire, knowing that the tire was flat, just didn't think about her, her daughter, right? my stepdaughter. And so since then, I think my stepdaughter dealt with, with this in, in, a, in a negative way. And I did not have the tools in my tool belt to know how to navigate her personality because it was two worlds coming into one. She was one child at one house and she was another child at the other house. Right. And I, it flipped a switch. It, again, like I said that before, it, she flipped a switch and I was like, who is this child that I, that I took care of since she was three? I do not recognize her. And I, it just, again, it flabbergasted me just seeing the things that were happening and the things that she experienced too, um, on top of it. But when, when we finally were getting to a place that we were settled, I knew that her and I had a lot to work on and I wasn't mature. My, I'm sorry, let me go back. I wasn't mature my, of myself to know what to do. And so when that happened, my husband and I decided, you know, we're going to, we're ready to have another child, mm-hmm. which was, I got, you know, we decided to get pregnant. So I got pregnant with my son and that is when things turn, took a turn for the worse. 
she was having a lot of um, thoughts that were, I, I would just say that there were more homicidal ideations, mm-hmm. um, a lot of mental health issues. She was very worried about having another sibling come because she felt that her dad um, was not going to love her anymore. Mm-hmm. And mind you, she's about 10 at this time. So not young enough to not understand it, but to me old enough to know that she knows how she feels. Yeah. And so when that happened, um, a lot of things went on that were, I would never have thought as a mom, I would ever have to experience uh, with a stepchild, but it was really scary. A lot of inappropriate things had happened, taken place that involved my, my daughter. and. When we were going to therapy after therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist, we were doing it all. There's nothing like a psychiatrist and therapist telling you, you need to be careful. You need to make sure that you are hiding all the knives in the house, all the sharp objects in the house, and you need to put surveillance up to make sure that all the children in the house will be safe. And I know you are thinking, what in the world? And I also know that you are probably thinking, I can't live like this. No. And I'm glad that you are on here for many reasons, but also because we have talked about if you told, for instance, say you told your husband, you need to find somewhere for her to go or I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And I know if David would have ever told me that with Jackson, he can't stay here. He needs to go to his dad's. Then I would say, oh, no, buddy, I'm gone. I'm not sending my son. You know what I mean? Right. But this isn't as simple as Mm-mm. the step-parent doesn't want the step-kid there because they're a brat or because they just don't like them or the resentment for bio mom. This is a safety concern. Yes. And there's no one else that she could have gone to as if her mom was here. Right. And that is what tore my whole world apart. Um, and it was really, it's been very difficult to navigate. And I can try reading up on things or seeking out advice from therapists and psychiatrists. No one has the right answer. But it's, again, it's, it's so scary and nerve wracking when one of the top psychiatrists in the area is suggesting that my stepdaughter go to an inpatient institution for a few days because of her thinking. And, and it's, and you're thinking a couple of years will be better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there were moments where I thought, and this is something that I, again, I don't know if it's inappropriate to say, but you know, when you're a step parent, you have your own biases, just like uh, bio parents do Mm -hmm. your own biases, but you're able to see things from the outside in the beginning, you can see things that, oh, this isn't normal, you know, or really normal, or this probably needs some work over here, um, because you can see it from the outside in because it's not your child. And with this situation, I knew that what therapists and doctors were, you know, what they were suggesting was something that was going to help her. Mm -hmm. 
but it felt like her dad and I weren't on the same page. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're not on the same page. No. Okay. Not on the same page. Yeah. We were not on the same page. And while he's trying to, trying to, like, he was trying to hold on to her childhood as much as he could because she's dealt with so much at this point. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, she's broken. And he felt like taking her anywhere was going to just do it. Mm-hmm. Whatever would happen to her, it was, it was going to happen. Well, I was thinking she should go somewhere because of the fact that there are all of these things that we experienced. She should just to see what they can, what I see. Right. So not a lot of step parents would want to say it to their husband or wife, but just to say they, I, I think they have a problem and, and it does need to be fixed. And if going away helps them, then that's what should be done. Right. But it's harder, I guess, when you're a bio parent and you don't want to do that to your child. I knew that this was going to help her, but it never happened. And also where we live in the state of California, you know, the mental health institutions are really, really difficult to navigate when it comes to adolescence. Mm-hmm. They're looking for specific things. And what they were telling us is we can't do anything until there's been an attempt of some sort right. that puts harm. <laughs> and, you know, there's, and so I'm sitting here pregnant and I'm thinking to myself at the time when this was happening, I'm sitting there pregnant and I'm thinking to myself, so sh- so something has to happen for her to get seen and to stay in, in somewhere. Right. And I, I didn't know what to think. And from then on, from when I got pregnant, then finally had my son and we tried again, just living life normally. It just wasn't working. I could not be the parent that she needed in her life. Mm-hmm. I was scared. I was not... I wasn't helping her anymore. I couldn't be the person that could help her either. Right. And that hurt. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do at that point. I I didn't know what to do. Since then, she's not been living in the house. We, my husband at that point decided because I was at at a place where I said, you know, I just can't do it. I don't trust her. I'm scared for you know, my kid's safety and my own, because mind you, I'm, I'm a pretty short person. I'm five, one, mm-hmm. she was already taller than me. Wow. And so I, yeah, she, she was a tall, strong girl. And I, um, I didn't know what to do in terms of that. And so all I, all I knew what I could do was just tell my husband that I couldn't be in this situation anymore. It was, I couldn't do it. It's too hard and I'm scared. And he had, you know, him and I, again, through this whole process and all of these years did not see eye to eye with a lot of things. I had a lot of issues with the in-laws. They did not care for me uh, for their own reasons. There was nothing that I did that justified their behavior towards me of them wanting him to divorce me. We've just, we've never had a stable foundation to be those super parents for my stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. So you came because- in and they just didn't like you straight off. They did not. They, because I changed the, like I was hearing one of your guys' other podcasts the other day, just listening. And I remember one of the, the ladies talking and saying that they're not going to like you. Like they just, they're not going to like you because you changed the course of their family. 
in, yeah. in the way that it's established. And they didn't like me because I don't know. I'm one of those. I'm one of those people that I don't like people who try to manipulate. Mm-hmm. I don't like to be around narcissistic people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can smell them from a mile away when you're being fake, when you're a narcissist. I will not get along with you and I will protect myself and I will ground, I'll put my boundaries up. And so his parents in that, in the beginning of the relationship, they, they naturally just didn't like that. I established my own ground rules, which is basically like, we're not going to drive out and see you anytime you want us to go see you, which would be like four hours away. They'd want us to come at least once a month. Oh, wow. And because I, yeah. And I was sick. My first pregnancy, I was really, really sick through that whole pregnancy. And because we didn't go every month and I was just like, no, like we'll go, but we're not going to go every month. That just changed their narrative about me. And they were like, nope. And when I got pregnant though, you know, before the hand, when I did get pregnant the first time, the first thing they told my husband was, you know, what about so-and-so, which was his ex-wife's name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And that situation, like I said, there's a whole nother story when it comes to my in-laws. There's a lot of history there, a lot of problems that also unfortunately caused a lot of issues with my stepdaughter as well, because they seem to favor my stepdaughter over my kids. Mm-hmm. And they showed it just like they showed it when, when my stepdaughter's mom was alive. There was a year where I, it was my first year as being a a mom and it was mother's day. And of course I just had a baby, so I wasn't in any condition to drive. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden bio mom shows up at their house four and a half, four and a half hours away from where we all lived. And they decided to take mother's day pictures and post it all over social media with a bio mom, the ex. And that was really hard to see because it felt like I wasn't accepted by them immediately. Wow. So yeah, that, I mean, it was just little petty things like that. I mean, I know a lot of stepmoms out there have dealt with similar things. There's sorry to say, I, I, I envy the relationships between the wives with their in-laws, you know, whether you're step, you know, the stepmom or a bio mom, and you have a really good relationship with in-laws. I envy that because I've never experienced that before. I don't know what that's like to have the support, anything like that. But, you know, going back to my stepdaughter, my husband had to make that ultimate decision of like, I don't want to lose all of these, you know, my daughter and my son and my wife. He had to make that decision, that really difficult decision to send his daughter away to his parents' house, which we both agree they're not the most stable people out there. But you didn't have options. Didn't have options at all. And so when she, she just left about, I would say five months ago. And I tell you, it felt, I was sad. I I did my crying in the very beginning after she left, Mm -hmm. but I, I felt so much relief. I felt like I didn't need to check the cameras consistently I didn't have to worry about anything that was going to happen or something was going to change with my stepdaughter and her behavior of that day. And so 
it was a relief. It, it felt like a relief. And I, right now, we're in a place where we're deciding, you know, I had my time to to think about things, to reevaluate how I was as a step parent, because I haven't even gotten to that point of where during, during the time that she was having this mental health crisis, again, because I was so scared, I, I couldn't help her. I couldn't, I, I was doing things all wrong um, when it came to reprimanding and talking about things. And it felt like I was always questioning her because I was always so concerned because she was always doing something that was to me concerning, but to my husband was like, well, some kids just do those things. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard. We're at a place right now where we're going to see if she'd want to come back or if she should come back because I don't know. I just, I feel a lot of guilt because I felt like, now that I haven't been around her for a few months and I, and I had that break, mm-hmm. I had time to think I've been listening to Nacho kids nonstop and it helps so much. I mean, I wish I had this seven years ago, yeah. eight years ago now, but because we're, this is just how life is rolling along. I'm, we're figuring out what, what the next move is. My husband is worried and concerned that it just, isn't going to work if she's back here. And currently all I know from her, cause I don't, unfortunately I don't talk to her and she, she does not want to speak to me. Yeah. Because you're the reason she had to leave. Yeah. She lost her mom and you took her dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And there was a lot of things that ha- had happened to her that really, she, she, she did not want to share her dad. She did not want to share her dad. She did not want, she did not want to have to deal with a brother and sister. She definitely didn't want to deal with me. My husband had a conversation with her not long ago asking, you know, hey, we're, you know, we, we made a lot of mistakes. We're, we're working really hard. You know, we want you back here. If, if you want to come back, we were giving her the option just for that peace of mind for herself. You know, I think she was doing a lot of things here that were inappropriate, weren't good, but at least at his parents' house, she does get that break. Mm-hmm. Um, but her response basically was that she doesn't want to uh, come back right now. And he felt a lot of guilt. And basically, he just wanted to make sure that she was okay. And she was okay with the decision that he had made with her being there at his parents as opposed to home. And she's not particularly happy with, I think, being at his parents' house. But I think she likes it a lot better because it's a yes house. It's uh, there's no not a lot of rules, mm-hmm. and that's what she's been used to her whole life. And I, I know that she did say to him, my husband asked, "Well, what else could I have done?" And she basically said, "Well, you could have done the hardest thing, which was divorce my stepmom and just have me." Yeah. And when I heard that, that was really triggering for me. It was really hard to keep my mouth shut when he had stated that's what she said. Yeah. And it's one of those things you want to know what she said, but you don't. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when he decided to send her to his parents, did, is it just, we're going to send her for a little bit till we figure out our next step? 
or she's going to stay there permanently? It was 50, 50. He, there was a part of him that wanted to see what it would be like for her to be there because there's although there's also other stuff going on at his parents' house. You know, like I said, they're not the best parents to raise someone with such uh, mental health and behavioral issues that she brings in. The other part was, is that to avoid losing me, he felt like she just needs to be there till she graduates. Yeah. So we're so torn right now on what to do. This is something that, again, I've searched, researched, and no one has the answer other than who, you know, than ourselves. Right. In this situation. Yeah. And you wish you could find a book or a Mm -hmm. podcast or even a doctor that says, this is what you need to do. Right. This is what's going to help her and help you guys. Right. Because you don't know what to do. It's Mm -hmm. almost playing it by ear. And you you can't play by ear those safety issues. No. What do you do when you have a stepchild that has issues like that, that yeah. That are pretty serious and significant. Okay. And then lo- let's look at it like this. Okay. Say your husband did say, Jane, I-, I can't send my daughter to live with my parents. And you said, well, honey, I can't stay here with your daughter. So you split up, right? Mm-hmm. Then your other children are going to be around her. Mm-hmm we'll just say 50% of the time. And I mean, I don't know how your husband is, but I feel like moms are more attentive. Mm -hmm. So you would be concerned about your kids being there. Oh, 110% Lori. Like, yeah. And the only way to stop that would be to go to court, fight like crazy and hope you can get supervised visitation just because of the stepdaughter, not because your husband is a bad parent. Right. And he's not, he's a, he's a wonderful father. I know that I could have done things a lot differently during the last few years. I could have done a lot of things differently. And there is a sense of release when you are able to step back and say, I did do a lot of things wrong. As much as I hate to admit it, I did a lot of things wrong. And you become humbled by it because you're like, I'm not a perfect person. And I think, again, there's that release where you just have to love yourself and and say, you know what? I made these mistakes, but I'm going to do better. And I'm going to apologize for those mistakes. It's okay to apologize to your stepchild. Yes. 100%. No matter what age that they are. And just say, look, I messed up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from every, anything else that, you know, my role as a stepparent should be, but I'm sorry that I hurt you and that I didn't give you what you needed during these times in your life. Right. But again, if your stepchild doesn't accept it or they do, that's not our problem. That's something that they can accept or not accept, but we have to, as step parents, forgive ourselves for the things that we, that we did or the things that we did wrong. We're really hard on ourselves and, you know, society paints us a pretty picture of what a step mother is like and you know those Disney movies and you don't see a lot of positive reinforcement for step parents and, and step moms particularly for children. I do appreciate 
if there are bio parents and moms that listen to this podcast too, I do appreciate when they step up and they just give it like, you know, just give so much grace to the step parent when the step parent is doing great things with their step or their child. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't see that a lot, but I, I, it's, it's a lot of humility for me. I've, I wanted to hold on to like a lot of things and justify myself on the times that I didn't do things correctly. But it, I, I give myself, like I said, a lot of slack too, because this is a circumstance that is so serious that not a lot of people understand what that's like until they experience it. And then it's, it's a different, it's a different game. Right. Now I want to say, first of all, the way that we grow is by recognizing those mistakes we made. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you a bad stepmom. You were doing what you knew to do when you knew to do it. I mean, it's you didn't know any different, right? Right. And I know we are really big on beating ourselves up. <laughs> yes. And especially if you feel like that you have damage the relationship with your stepdaughter and yourself mm-hmm. or the relationship with her dad and her or even your kids and her. Yeah. But please do not beat yourself up because number one, you've recognized what you could have done differently, but you can't go back and change it. Yeah. And so thinking about, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. It's not going to change anything. All it's going to do is drive you crazy. Oh, yeah. But you can keep those things you learn in the back of your head. So when the opportunity arises where there is a situation that comes about that you've dealt with before that you didn't handle properly or you didn't think you handled properly, then you'll handle it differently. Exactly. And I know with my stepkids there was a lot of hurt between us. Mm-hmm. And some people that can step back from the responsibilities and three months later, things are better. Well, right. things were better for us instantaneously once I stepped back, but I had a lot of work to do on myself. And a lot of times mm-hmm. people don't understand that that is part of the nacho method. It is identifying those things where you contributed in a bad way to what was going on. Right. And learning to look at things from a different perspective and stop trying to change things you can't change. I mean, there's so much to this method other than the stepping back because stepping back is not going to help you a whole lot. It'll help ease the pressure, but Mm -hmm. then you've still got the resentment. You still don't know Mm -hmm. how to deal with the problems. Like you said earlier, you don't have the tools. Yeah. And with my stepkids, it took a while. I stepped back completely for about a year. And I know everybody's like, oh, my gosh. Well, I had to. We had to heal. Yeah. And I say this to you because you seem like you definitely want what's best for stepdaughter, but not at the detriment of your kids. Yes, exactly. I mean, you shouldn't. But I also feel like you are self-aware enough. That's not the word I'm looking for. But you are capable of seeing where you have made mistakes. You are capable of wanting to get things better with stepdaughter. 
and you are capable of admitting to stepdaughter, look, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Exactly. And that is what will put you on the right track to better and heal this relationship with her and basically restart it because that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, definitely. Because she, she right now does, does not like me at all. And I mean, she said it to me on a few occasions uh, behind closed doors, you know, of course she, she doesn't say it when dad's around or anybody else is around, but you know, there is a lot of, from what I experienced with her, like most kids, right? Some manipulation, not being truthful with what they're saying and doing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I I want to make sure that she's okay. And I think that's why I put so much energy during the course of the years, um, even when her her mom got sick with cancer, that I immediately jumped to like, let's get her to therapy. Let's do it. Like she needs to do this. You know, I'm the one that drew over to all her appointments. I've, I've met with dozens of therapists and psychiatrists throughout the years. And she didn't take to it. You know, she didn't, she knew what to say. And again, the things she'd say inside closed doors with, with them seemed to be different when she was talking to somebody else outside of it. Mm-hmm. I never knew where she was at, but right now I am, I am, I want her to be okay because gosh, I spent years taking care of her. You know, I, even at three years old, I changed her. Like I put her clothes on in the morning, got her ready for daycare all the time. I was a parent to her when her mom wasn't there half the time. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of feelings there that I have a lot of hurt that I have myself because of just the treatment that I've received from her uh, in the recent years, but I do want her to be okay. There is a part of me that I wish I can have her come back here because I know that I'm, I do believe that I am one of the only people in her life that can still guide her and help her. Now, whether she wants that right now or not, most kids who have been living in a yes life in a yes house typically don't want to have the rules and regulations that any parent brings on. So she needs that. A lot of kids need structure that way. They they shouldn't be living a life where they're consistently getting what they want or they're consistently just fighting authority. Right. But I tell myself that I my my plan is is to have conversations with her apologize to her because I know she's hurt too. She is really hurt. Something I learned through this process is that, you know, that you guys have talked about on the podcast is that we are the adults. We are the ones that can think logically. We have that mindset to be able to do those things and be the, the adults to make things better for the children. Because at the end of the day, we're the only ones that can handle that mentally. Mm-hmm. And she, um, I'm hoping that I can have that conversation with her. If things seem to not work out or we want to respect that, you know what? She might just feel happier not having siblings in her life right now or having a step parent mom figure in her life. If that is what helps her brain right now cope through this process, then mm-hmm. so be it. I hope that when she becomes an adult and that's not far off, you know, she'll be, she's almost 12 here soon. Yeah. When she becomes adult, she knows that I'm going to be here and that's going to be up to her if she wants to have that relationship with me or not. Right. And 
she's got a lot of healing she needs to do. She's mm-hmm. been through a lot. Yeah. And I'm not saying that gives her an excuse to threaten to harm people mm-hmm. at all. You can't dismiss the fact that she's been through a lot and losing her mom and the issues of the different homes before that have affected her greatly. Yeah. And she's still a kid. Yeah. It seems like she's a kid, but like she, because she's been around adults so much half of her life with when she was with her mom. Yeah. She was never with other kids other than school, but she had a hard time getting on with other kids because she had that adult mindset at times. So yeah. she she experienced a lot of very serious issues that it's so sad when I stop to think about it because I don't remember that little three-year-old having that many problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, 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 this is where I had to do a lot of healing myself because I was really angry at bio mom. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times where if something comes up and I hear something going on, that has to do anything with my stepdaughter because she's having a hard time. I I have found myself just getting really angry even sometimes now, but I'm slowly letting it go. It, it took a long time though, to really feel like I was he- healing from that, that trauma that I was, that I endured with her because not a lot of people experience that. They'll experience a bio parent that just, you just know they don't like you and there it's established. Okay. I don't like you. And that's what the relationship is. This, this bio parent that I dealt with was again, manipulative. And she, in front of people, she, she would just be very, Oh, I like Jane. She's so, she's so sweet. Oh, I love her. But then behind closed doors, you know, my, my stepdaughter was hearing a different story. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's been, really hard on my stepdaughter. I've been able to think a little bit more clearly though since she's been gone. And I think a lot of people, a lot of step parents, when when they're dealing with a lot of difficult things, it is okay to step away. Even if if husband or significant other doesn't like it, mm-hmm. if it's for your mental health, it's okay to step away. Right. The amount of stress and trauma that we endure is can be so significant. And I know that with the stress and trauma that I dealt with, with my husband's parents, with the death of um, my stepdaughter's mother, and then with all of the mental and behavioral issues that we had to pick up the pieces and try to fix. Mm-hmm. I got really sick. <laughs> Doctors can't figure out why I was sick, but it was the stress. Yes. The stress is what did it. Honey, I don't know if you've heard our story, but when things were so bad with us, I lost 35 pounds in a wow. month and a half. Yeah. And you're thinking like, what is happening to me right now? Yeah. They thought I had pancreatic cancer because that was my symptoms. Yep, that's I've, exper- I've experienced some of those things as well. Yep. Because your stomach hurts. You can't yep. eat. You can't gain weight. You just feel ill. Yeah, you feel ill. To take a shower took all of my energy. Wow. And I would see people that I knew before all this that were friends of David's, and I'd be like, hey, how you doing? And they'd look at me like they did not know who I was. Wow. And I remember one day 
of course, when you first lose weight, you're like, oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> but then you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, my God, how did I get here? I was wearing yeah. kids' clothes. Oh, that, that was me, too. Yes. And, again, we don't realize that how much stress can harm us. It can kill you. It can, honest to God, kill it, you. Yeah. And and we're, we were probably at, at the beginning stages of that because of what was happening to us physically. And when I had lost all of that weight too, I would say now it's been about two and a half years now. I would, yeah, at the beginning you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm losing a little bit of weight. And then, and then all of a sudden I realized I'm not okay. And I, and I feel really sick. Yeah. I, I thought I was dying. Crying. Yeah. I, and I, I was crying like, God, please. I want, I want, I want it all back. <laughs> you know, I want to be back to normal. I want to be back to my, my normal weight. I want to be healthy again. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been quite a journey, this whole process. I, I do appreciate what you guys have done with Nacho Kids. It's been a saving grace for me because when you can hear someone in similar situations, and how they are able to adapt or how they're able to maneuver th- through things. It makes me feel like I can do it. If I, if I had to, if something were, God forbid, something were to happen to my husband's parents and she had to come back here because again, she has no other family. Her other two grandparents from her, her mom's side are a lot older. So all she got is us. <laughs> yeah. And so I, but I feel like with Nacho kids, I, I can do it. I, even as scary as it is, I think I could do it. And that says a lot because there's nothing like a scared mama, right? Making mm-hmm. sure that her babies are safe. Yeah. So it, it's just been, it's been a, a wild ride and um, there's a lot more to come, but so far this is what my journey and what my experiences have been like. And I, uh, I'm hoping that things will start settling a lot better and we can get to a, a better outcome. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking stepdaughter seven now. No. So she, she is 11. She's going on 12 now. Oh, why did I? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when mom died, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. When mom died, she was seven or eight. Yeah. And she was about eight. Yeah. That is so young. Mm-hmm. And you think about what eight-year-olds should be doing. <laughs> they should be playing at the park. Yeah. They they shouldn't have to worry about. And you even said that before that she would say, "I'm worried about my mom. She's alone." Yes. So, and that's because she, mom's sitting there saying, "Oh, your dad's got Jane, and I'm here yeah. all by myself." Yep. Yeah. And and that's something that was. When you look at it in a psychological standpoint, a child in school, you know, because right now there, there is a lot of different things in, in mental health, but typically if, if your kid isn't reading well or they're having a hard time in math, it's not the end of the world. They'll get the hang of it as long as you just give them the tools. But when it comes to social interactions with children, it's really important that they are socializing. It is really important that they are they're at least making the effort to talk to other children and make friends. Mm-hmm. That is something I have learned through the process of the mental health system that 
there are certain things that children should be doing. And if they're not doing it now, it's, it's not something crazy, but it, it is something to take a look at. Like what is going on? What, you know, are they not okay? And that's something to, to take, you know, to consider when you notice that a child's not okay, because typically a lot of children who do a lot of, who become adults end up doing a lot of pretty bad things because they had a lot of inconsistencies growing up. And that's something that I think that in the back of my mind, I was trying to prevent. I wanted my stepdaughter, and I still do, to just live a normal, adult, healthy life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, though, unfortunately, I mean, at least in, in my case, I, I want to make, I don't want to feel like this is just going to be her life and, and the way that she thinks and the way that she behaves, that this is her outcome. And whoever she ends up being is she's going to have a hard time because I don't want that, but it's really important just to know, you know, how your child's feeling when they're in school. And when I noticed that my stepdaughter from the course of daycare, when I was picking her up from daycare to third grade, so all of those years in between, I would ask her like, Oh, who'd you sit with at lunch today? What'd you do at recess? You know, it's the course of those years. And she'd always just say, Oh, by myself, I was just sitting by myself. And and I knew that that was a problem. And I told my husband, I what's going on at that house? Because we, we, we made a rule and a pact when we had her, when it was a 50-50 custody and I came to the picture, we're not going to question her about anything at her mom's house. I know a lot of parents like to do that and play those kind of games, but we wanted to give her a mind break. We didn't want to ask what's going on over there. What's, you know, what did you do? Right. You know, we, if she wanted to share how her, her week was, it was simple as, did you have a good week with your mom? Yeah. And and that was it. If she wanted to share anything more, we would, we would encourage it, but we wouldn't question her. And so, and, and those instances when she was, when I was getting administrative telling me that she seems like she's just not being herself. And, and it, it was a few years that indicated to me that bio mom played a, a major, major role in her behavior and why her mom behavior stuck with her and her personality because there's a lot of similarities in her mom's personality that she now carries and it's crazy how much kids are sponges and and I didn't mention this before but while my stepdaughter was having these really hard issues um, after you know mom passed away uh, within the last two and a half years um, without her I try to build a relationship with her, um, my stepdaughter's mom's mother. And that was in itself, you know, I'm the kind of person that's very open and I have nothing to hide. I also don't play games like I mentioned before, but when I had that starting to have a relationship with, with the grandmother, it just seemed like there was a lot of things that made it more difficult and it didn't help my stepdaughter when I you know, had her go over there and visit with her grandma, her mom's mom. It just seemed like, again, I was the target for the reasons why my stepdaughter was having a hard time, as opposed to, no, my stepdaughter had some mental health issues before. And now with this trauma, yes, it's carried over. But I try to be open with with that relationship and that didn't seem to work. And instead, you know, my stepdaughter which I, I give her so much praise in this. 
at her age, because when she came up to me and told me the things that she was doing, that again, just caused this, this chaos all of a sudden to happen around 20, I think it was 2020 or 2021. Yeah. It was January of 2021. And she came up to me and just laid out the things that she had been doing. And that's again, when all of the therapy and the psychiatrist came into play, but she was able to let me know what she had been doing. Mm -hmm. And she was able to, to tell me things that kids don't really talk about, but she was able to say, this is what I've been doing. And I, I don't know what to do with this situation. Right. And so when she did that, I was able to be calm and just tell her, thank you for telling me. And the other thing that I did was I documented. And I don't know if a lot of the parents have had to do that, but I did a lot, years of documentation, years of like just recording situations that in case things ever had to be revealed, I, I should mm-hmm. say. I did my due diligence with just keeping up documentations of issues or situations that she would bring up. So yeah, there she dealt with a lot of stuff before her mom passed away and after. And my husband recognizes it, I think even more now. What I learned with my husband through the course of this is, you know, we had a horrible marriage. We love each other to death, but we we didn't have a good marriage. We our foundation wasn't wasn't a good foundation from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But we've been persevering through all of it. And we're, again, we're not perfect. We are in therapy, but I guess I'm so grateful because he's been able to express the things that I've been always wanted to hear, which he's not blind to it. It's just hard for him to admit it, mm-hmm. that she does have issues and they are, and, 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 and it might not, whether it was you or somebody else, his child would have had issues regardless. Right. It's not because so, of you. Right. The issues were there before you were even in the picture. Yeah. And they got worse, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because of you. Now, bio mom could have been saying, oh, yeah, it's her fault. Things were good till she came in. No, the problem was bio mom didn't know how to handle you being the stepmom. She did not. No, she could. She could not handle it. She yeah. made tried to make my life. The living nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just, I go back to, again, all of these situations that I have endured and experienced. And I'm, I'm really trying to learn from, from it all because if anything, I think I need a vacation at this point. <laughs> I need yeah. to go take a vacation and take a break. You know, it, it's been a few months since, again, my stepdaughter hasn't been living here, but it has been a good brain break for me to be able to recognize what I need to do. But there's, there's just so much to my story and in my experiences that I, obviously I can't share on a, on a, on a podcast, but, but I could just say this, that with all of those, those things I'm still working through, but I'm just hoping for the best for my stepdaughter at the end of the day, because I appreciate that she was, she was open because had she not said anything, I wouldn't have really known anything that was going on. And things could have got worse before we even were able to catch it. And someone could have gotten hurt or she could have even hurt herself. And that's something that we we would never want to have to experience. And so 
it's it's a scary a scary situation that I've that I've been living, and um, I don't wish upon it on anybody. And I I do hope that there are step parents out there that who might not have a terrible stepchild, but a stepchild that just has just minor issues. They might talk back or they might do something. And I, and I realize I'll take that over what I've experienced. Yeah. What about your kids? How did they feel when stepdaughter moved out? Well, your oldest. My oldest. Oh, she, she loved her big sister. She was devastated. She cried. She um, had a hard time because right now she's in first grade. She had a really hard time get being in school and focusing in school. Mm-hmm. It was like a loss for her. And um, she took it really hard. We There's moments where we'll be doing something and it she just, bam, there's a little memory and she'll say it and she'll just, she'll be sad for, for a, a little while. And we do our due diligence by just letting her express herself. But then we try to pick her up again, because I don't want her to put so much energy into being sad all the time, only because it's not reciprocated from the other way around. My stepdaughter does not call her. I mean, when she left the day she left, she was not sad. She was, it was like she was running out the door. She couldn't get out fast enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we try, we try to tell her, my husband's very blunt with it, I should say, but we try to tell her like, Hey, you know, she's just, if she's not calling you, then, you know, that's not very, very nice of her, but you know, that's okay because that's how she feels. But, you know, and we try to do whatever we can to just make her feel better at that time too. Right. That's so hard because she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand. And I can't tell her. No. The details until she's an adult that I can actually, which I can't, you know, if she ever question, asks questions, I'm going to be like, yeah, this is what, this is why I was not myself. This is why mom would yell and get mad and just be so frustrated over simple things because I was not in a good place. Yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. And I guess the one of the things there that, right before she left that we realized that she needed to go was that my stepdaughter was trying to make it seem as if I was hurting her physically, which I've never laid a finger on her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when she would say those things again, I made sure I got all my documentation but it got to a point where I was like, well, I can't even be in the same house with her because I'm nervous. She's going to say something that has to be taken serious, but, but is a lie. Right. And that's just, that's just when we knew that it was time that, that even if this place that she's going to, isn't going to be the best for her, it was better than where we were at here. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's another thing too, is having to uh, deal with um, a stepchild, like I said, who makes up things in their minds or can't help, but make up things and they don't understand why they're making things up. That was something that she experienced often. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to, to this situation, a lot of stories that I can, I can say, but just leaving it where, where that's at, it's, it's just been a, a really long 
ride. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, my, my set, my, well, my daughter now is doing a lot better. She's, she's getting stronger every day. It's been about five months, so she's getting stronger. She's getting stronger every day. And I'm just fortunate that I haven't given up. And I think that's why, you know, we're still here right now because I could have, I could have gave up and fought really hard and tried to make sure that visitations were monitored, but that's not the kind of life that any of these kids deserve when it comes to being with my husband. And my husband and I love each other very much. We have a lot of work to do and we are working on it. And so I think that's when you can find success in these situations, just like you and your husband. I'm sure there were moments where it was you were really questioning, like, I, I don't need to do this anymore, but look at where you're at now than where you were then. Oh, when yes. There were a lot of things. And it has made our marriage so much stronger. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fun, but no. we are one of the few people that would say we would do this again. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's a success story that blended families doesn't mean it's just chaos all the time. It just, it, it does, it does mean that you just have to change your way of thinking and, and just be mature about a lot of situations as, as best as you can. I mean, I know it takes for things again, to change, you have to go through the hardest times. And that's what it seems like here. I feel like we've hit rock bottom with this situation, but I think that it can't get any worse than what it's been. And so it can only get better from here. Um, And that's all I can do right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right now she doesn't have anything to do with you Mm. or your daughter. She doesn't call your daughter. She, she will not. What about your husband? Does he ever call her or Zoom with her, not Zoom, but FaceTime with her mm-hmm. where your daughter can talk to her? Oh, yeah. He he initiates the phone calls. He initiates all the phone calls. He talks to her as often as, as he can. Mm-hmm. And when he does talk to her, uh, my my daughter is right there with them. And so they're just chit-chatting with her and catching up. But other than that, it's there's not a lot of talking on the other end. He has to ask the questions and continue the conversation for her to for her to talk. Yeah. And I um and, and you know, a lot of kids at that age, I mean, I, I, I rather talk to friends and family members. So I I'm wondering if that's the case that she just doesn't want to talk so much with family as opposed to just a friend or something. Mm-hmm. She's dealing with some stuff right now, but, and it's made my husband feel a little like just concerned, but we're hoping it's just her coping mechanism when things aren't going her way. When things don't go her way, she has a really, really hard time. And so she's been in a position right now where she's just in her room, door closed at her grandparents' house. And uh, she just kind of doesn't really want to talk. And so I, uh, I try my best not to overstep because if, if any, if there's a definition for overstep parent, I'm, I'm, my picture should be on there <laughs> <laughs> because I'm always asking questions. I'm always given my input. And I realize that that bites me in the butt a lot. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I do always suggest like, especially with this situation though, I do tell my husband, you know, I know that they're trying to make it as seem as if she's, you know, she's not going, she's not, uh, she was on a lot of medications mm-hmm. and she was going, she was talking to, she transferred over to talk to another therapist where she's at, but they try to make it as if like, well, no, she's, she's, she finally got off her medications and she's not seeing a therapist. And she's doing great. Yeah. Now that she got away from you, Jane. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I was a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's healed now. Uh So I tell him, I think you should keep looking. I tell my husband, I think you need to keep looking. If your parents aren't going to do it, I think you need to keep looking for someone for her to talk to. But I I, want to think that they, in their minds, that maybe, yeah, I'm... She hasn't, she doesn't have to do that because I'm not there and that's not the case. And I, and I think they're, I think that they are realizing that now I, I, I want to say mm-hmm. that they're seeing things that they haven't seen because we didn't have a relationship with his parents uh, for, because of me. I, I finally put my boundary down. I was done. Right. There's only so much toxicity that toxicity that you can deal with, with people until you're like. I don't care if your in-law, your mom, dad, brother, sister, if you are consistently toxic and there's no reason for that and you can't have a conversation about it, bye. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no reason. There's no reason to put that in your life. You know, as you get older, you know what you can put up with and what you shouldn't. And I I decided with his parents, I... I put the my foot down on that one finally because that was a lot of trauma there as well. A lot, a lot of stories, a lot of trauma. Yeah. With that. So and it's okay to set boundaries. Oh yeah. I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. It, sometimes it's hard to set boundaries, but once you learn to set boundaries and you realize the people that get mad when you set those boundaries are the ones that aren't benefiting from you anymore because you set the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like I said before, I, I naturally, I don't know what it is. I do not get along with narcissistic people. I don't get along with people who are controlling. I just have a hard time. I'm, I'm more one of those people that, Hey, there's a problem. Let's sit down and talk about it. Right. And I know that's easier said than done for some, but I think because of my, my uh, past, my history before I even became a, a parent and a step parent, I had job positions where I could handle telling somebody that, Hey, you're doing something wrong because this is how this person's feeling. And they couldn't sit in their seat. They were squealing in their seat and and being upset. And I could sit there and just be direct with it and say, Hey, this is the issue. Mm -hmm. So I kind of learned that through the course of being with my husband, that I had to be the bigger person a lot in a lot of these situations, uh, especially with when it came to the in-laws and, it it just doesn't work when when people have a lot of issues themselves. It just doesn't work. And I tried to make it work and I did what I needed to do and it didn't work. And I realized that it's it's just easier for me not to be part of that situation. Right. And be a part of it. But you haven't told your husband that he can't go see his parents or anything like that. No, no. He, in fact, that was something that I, I kind of ha- was having a little bit of issue with because I just worry when my daughter goes over there that when I'm not there mm-hmm. because they'll take that trip. 
I worry because there's a lot in that house that I don't agree with, uh, people in that house that I don't agree with, um, living there, but cause there's other people living in that house, mm-hmm. but we came to a compromise and I had to step back and be okay with, uh, him taking my daughter, at least then meeting halfway. So she's not in a car for eight hours or more, but he's, he's welcome to go see his daughter when he needs to, especially because he's been feeling so down about whatever issues that she has going on over there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel a lot better now that we've been able to have more conversations about it, about what the dynamics going to be like, because I was worried at one point that he went, he was going to try to go over there like all the time. And that takes a lot away from this house because right. my son's only a year old and my daughter's six and she's, she's in a lot of extracurriculars and stuff. And, you know, my son is just at that stage where he is just wanting to be on mama's hip all day. So that was one of my worries, but that's, that was just me having like that issue. I, I, I realized now though, that there were moments where I didn't want him to go because I didn't want him to be around the, his parents because of how horrible they were to me and my daughter. Mm-hmm. And when I say horrible to my daughter, I mean more like throughout the years, they, they treated me like they treated or they treated my daughter like they were treating me and my stepdaughter's mom. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like favoritism. Right. A lot of favoritism. Uh, when we asked to respect our space and boundaries, when it came to his, my husband's ex-wife and like, Hey, you guys don't need to have a relationship with her. They didn't respect those boundaries that we wanted. But aren't they adults and they can decide who they want to have a relationship with? They, yeah. But I feel like with this situation, when they were trying to, whenever they involved my husband's ex-wife in things, we weren't at a good place. My, it was, it was causing more harm than good with the three of us of mm-hmm. us co-parenting and because it was a lot of game playing it was a lot of like look at this look at this and and it came out you know after my stepdaughter's mom passed away that his parents they they made it known that I was not liked and that that their ex-daughter-in-law was better in so many words but basically made me feel like you know, what have you done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, what have you done with, with us that she used to do? And I'm like, no, I'm not going there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And yeah, definitely, I am proud of you and your husband both by realizing that something had to change for the safety of everyone else in the house. Yeah. And it sucks Mm -hmm. because I'm sure your husband probably felt like he was picking you over his daughter or his kids with you over his daughter. But the reality of it is something's got to change and you've got to feel safe in your home. And he would never forgive himself if something happened to one of your hours kids because of stepdaughter. And he had stated that 
And I, and I think he had realized that when it was time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want you back because oh, I want, sure. we'll give it a year or so. I know that seems like a long time, but it's really not. No, it's not. Time goes by so fast. Yes. And so I want to have you back to see how things are going, if things have changed, if they've improved, or, you know, even if they're the same, because sometimes people will jump in and never heard the podcast before, and they're going to start with the one that's most recent. And so a lot of people may not hear your story. So we need to make sure that we get this out there more. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time, Lori. I really do appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, thank you. And again, we appreciate you sharing your story because people need to hear this. You're not the only one. I know you're not the only one. We've helped people with this before. And sometimes it just boils down to what's the best option for keeping everybody safe Mm -hmm. until we can get a better handle on things. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We all heard that one reason that the in-laws didn't like stepmom was because she set boundaries. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm. When you set a boundary and it upsets someone, it's because they can no longer take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Agree or disagree, David Sims? I have to agree with that. I do too. That's why I said it. You messed up their plan. Yep. But not everybody that you come in contact that you do things for is taking advantage of you. No. But if you decide you want to say no, they don't get mad at you either. That's true. And I love how Jane says she's been listening to Nacho Kids nonstop. You go, Jane. Yeah, Jane. I have to listen to Lori nonstop too. Okay, folks. (laughs) Do you spill, David? Do you spill? All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Please join us again next week when you hear Lori talk about other stuff (laughs) with other people. (laughs) And remember that life is good. (laughs) We need nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.